Welcome to Tunnel Talk Radio on 90.3 KRNU Lincoln with your host, Colton Stone. I think Mark Stoops has probably realized that when you play defense, you need 11 guys out on the field. And Stephen Huff. He's Baton Rouge through and through. I mean, this guy is gumbo running through his veins. <laughs> Welcome to it, Tunnel Talk Radio. Not on 90.3 KRNU today. We are recording off it. Colton Stone alongside, as always, my good pal, Stephen Huff. Stephen, finals week next week. I guess it's dead week right now currently, but how are you and, and, and how are your classes? I'm good, man. I'm pretty much done, honestly. I mean, everything's a wrap at this point. I have two finals next week, um, and they're solid at this point. I'm not worried about it, so I'm just coasting right now. It's it's pretty great. I, uh, I'm trying to think. I have... Two next week. I had one this week. Uh, and then we had our project by last week. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I, uh, yeah, I'm pretty much done. Um, I'm also fighting. I don't know if it's a cold or I don't think I have the flu, so you don't need to worry about that. But maybe we'll get your flu shot. Uh, <laughs> you get them free at the health center. See what I have to go up, go through. <laughs> Put up with the, put I, uh, the show on the air. I, I finally started feeling better on Tuesday. And then Wednesday at like 9.30 just hit me like a freight train. <laughs> and I was like, yep, here we go. Showtime. And, it, man, I usually only get sick the week of my birthday. And uh, You just, your schedule's not open, so you plan the sickness. Yeah, yeah right, yeah. I just, I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't find time that week, so I figured I'd do it this week instead. Yeah, it was awful. I how I dragged myself to cl- any class yesterday was amazing. But here's the solution: don't go to class. I almost did. one of them I didn't go to. Attaboy. One of them I did have to go to, and the other one was mostly mandatory. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how my classes are right now. But um, other than that, I mean, it's been fine. It's Senior year, man, just trying to pass. It's pretty much the plan. So, a lot has been going on in college football the past what month, really? Uh, As we, you know, we talked about a couple weeks ago about Black Mondays on the horizon, where coaches just start getting fired on Monday. Uh, A lot of coaches in the NFL, not. I mean, you look at like even. Mike McCarthy, um, he's got fired midseason. Hugh Jackson got fired midseason. And then some of the uh, college football coaches were getting fired in the midseason. And it's one of those that I, I think it's becoming more it, – it happens more often now that coaches will just get fired whenever because yeah, it, why keep them around if, if you're going to get rid of them anyways? Yeah, people are upset about the whole – well, some people are upset that Mike McCarthy got fired midseason just because – He's been a coach that's been around Green Bay for so long. He won a Super Bowl with him, so people want to give him that respect. But also, you don't want to waste the man's time either at that point. He knew he was probably going to be fired. Everyone else kind of knew. So I don't see the big stink about him getting fired a couple weeks before the end of the season when the team is awful at this point. Well, and the other thing, too, is like he got fired, so he's still going to make his money. It's not like you know that's an issue at all. And I, I mean, if you're like you said, if you're going to get fired anyways, why why waste anyone's time? There's no point in in keeping anyone longer than they need to be. So with that being said, I mean, you look at all the guys. Like I said, the past probably month in college football, 
who's been hired, who's been fired. Um, some of them were a surprise. I, I know we talked about Colorado pretty much or at a decent length. Not that we were surprised Mike McIntyre got fired, but well, they I, why they why they fired him the week before their last game? I don't know. And they were still looking for a bowl game. Yeah, I mean that guy won Coach of the Year two years ago. Yeah. So I mean I know he's gone through rough patches, but it, that seemed like a weird hire. That was one I didn't agree with. That was a midseason, um, but the rest of them seem pretty pretty standard. And then something that we talked a little bit about, and we weren't quite sure if it was actually going to happen. Kansas State, um, Bill Snyder, was one of those that he wasn't going to he wasn't going to retire unless his son was the next coach, pretty much. Yeah. And what was it going to look like if you fire the guy whose name is on the stadium you play in? Well, he ended up retiring. I think that was kind of the plan was get forced, not force him to retire, but get him to retire that way you aren't firing him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of like uh, Bobby Bowden when he was kind of out of Florida State. I can't remember if he retired or resigned, um, but it's, it was forced, it seemed. Uh, and they didn't want to fire him, so they, they sugar-coated it. Bill Snyder, similar. Um, I don't think he left in an, as bad of terms. Maybe Bobby Bowden did, but um, sad to see Bill Snyder go, but it's it's probably time for that. Some of the newest ones today, uh, Jeff Collins from Temple. He's getting hired to coach Georgia Tech. Will the triple option die at Georgia Tech? Um, I hope not. I think it will. But... I think it's over. You think it's done? Yeah, because Paul Johnson, you know, he came from Navy. He brought it to Georgia Tech. Uh, not many coaches really run the option anymore, so I, I just don't see. Typically, the coach brings his system, not the school teaches the system. To right, the right. Coach, so. um, Liberty hires Hugh Freeze after <laughs> former Husker uh, Turner Gill retires. And I, I was reading an old article, I think maybe it was from the Omaha World Herald, when in 2010, Turner Gill was coaching for Kansas, and they played Nebraska, and I mean, they just beat them, whatever, 55 to 10, or it was something ugly, and it was kind of like almost an awkward homecoming, because when Bo Pelini took that job, they were kind of like, people were thinking Turner Gill might get the job, and I mean, obviously it didn't work out at Kansas, not really his fault, because it's Kansas. Not a lot worked out at Kansas. Right. But uh, sad to see Turner Gill out of a job, but odd to see Hugh Freeze at a, in a job, Boy. and let alone at a, a very religious religious <laughs> school after everything that happened at Ole Miss. Yeah, next up, Petrino's going to BYU. <laughs> seems a little little odd to me. So it's it's interesting to see what will happen in the next couple of weeks because. What seems to happen a lot is you look at the the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Oklahomas, um, so on and so forth, the guys that have offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators that are prolific at what they do, but they aren't necessarily to the point where they get a head coaching job yet. And you'll see smaller schools, I feel like, or even some bigger ones. I mean, you look at Maryland is getting – um, Alabama's defensive coordinator, I believe. Oh, offensive coordinator. Offensive coordinator. Yeah. Uh, and then Colorado got Georgia's defensive, Georgia's coordinator. defensive coordinator. Yeah, there it is. Um, and 
we we even saw Kirby Smart. He takes a job after being at Alabama, and Ben, what was the old Florida coach that came from Alabama's too? Ben McElwain. Oh, Jim McElwain. Jim McElwain. And Jim McElwain's got a job got now a new too. Job. He uh, was at Michigan for a little bit. Now he's at Central Michigan, which um, people are up in arms about why they hired Jim McElwain to be the um, head coach at Central Michigan. But then again, Central Michigan only won one game this year. So unless they go 0-12 next year, it's it's a success to me. But are there any, I guess, are there any jobs that are open right now that we're going to really see a, a big name? Well, like think, make a splash because it seems like we're we're getting to a point where I mean I thought Cliff Kingsbury I know he took the like we said the OC job at USC I feel like it's still an upgrade from Texas Tech but he could have gone to a smaller school as a head coach mm-hmm. and and they would have likely I mean taken him and he'd probably do well but I feel like we're to the point where if if you're you have to the guys are still making a name for themselves we're not going to see a Nick Saban or someone along those lines, like leave the leave for another job. Now I know Les Miles just took the job at Kansas, so that kind of debunks the whole thing. He but he be an wasn't dated coach, and he's been right. out, of, out of coaching for a couple of years. So, but are there are there any big names that you'd really see come back? I I, I can't really think of any. Someone has to fill that Ohio State job, right? Because they named an interim. Is he going to be the head coach? Yeah, or? he's confirmed head coach. Yep. I think, and I don't think that might work I said out this for before. Him. I don't like in-house hires and i know that he did well for their first three games yeah. but they meet like I, I guess they talked to three other people but it was a turnaround they're just like yeah well we're also gonna hire ryan day as the head coach and i was like that's that's where we're going with this so yeah, you know who i wanted to see in that spot probably you're disgusting i wanted to see john harbaugh they're, they're really? talking about giving him the axe in old baltimore <laughs> him going up against his brother every every year in the game and beating him, uh. I think it would be. I think it would be entertaining. I think that's the hire they should have gone. Also, Bowling Green, we talked about. Speaking of big hires, yeah. Speaking <laughs> of big big schools, I know we talked about Bowling Green last week, but um, I I had said that I felt bad, not about Papuchas, but about Carplini. Uh, I think was it Scott Leffler that took the job at yep. Bowling Green. Scott, Scott with, with one T. T. Yeah. Uh, Watch out, that's a red flag. <laughs> Bowling Green's going to have one win again. Uh, but Bowling Green is retaining, uh, I believe, all the assistant coaches. So Carplini still has a job. Yeah. He just you know, got robbed out of the head coaching job. Not that they really did anything while he was in that yeah. position. But Drew a bad hand, though. Hey, you know what, though? He's still employed. That's better than some other people. Do you see – I mean uh, – Do I see Carl Pelini being a coach? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Kansas State. Kansas State's the, an interesting job to me right now because they aren't ever a bad program, but but they aren't ever like a, good program. a great program. They're kind of that 6, 7, 8 they, win you know, always. They're just missing Josh Freeman. That's all they need back, and they'll be good. And maybe that Bill Snyder guy. <laughs> yeah, where's he going? <laughs> no, that's the Bill thing. Snyder going to take a job somewhere? Kansas, <laughs> Kansas State's – I hope not, but this, this is how they are. They're going to struggle, and they're going to do poorly. And in five years, Bill Snyder is going to come out of the woodworks and bring him back to average glory, like he always does. Yeah, well, that's how it's worked every other time. So <laughs> it's got to work this time, right? Um, I, well, I I make the joke that Bo Pelini is going to take a job soon. 
and they they have to get off Nebraska's payroll first. February is his last payment from Nebraska, but I don't think he'll wait. If he were to get an FBS job, he's not going to wait till that last payment. Um, I believe he worked at Kansas State at some point. Um, so I'm just saying, at some point, Bo Pelini's got to take a job. Bo Pelini, watch. I still think Rutgers is a spot for him, but. You know, the Rutgers thing I can get behind because they're so bad, but I kind of don't want to see Bo Pelini be a coach. Why is that? I think I, I think his type of game and era is, is gone. I think I think football's moving in another direction. He was a fine coach at one point, one, you know, nine games routinely, but I, I think football's moved on, and I don't know if he'd, he'd fit in in this era. Personally, he doesn't he doesn't seem to me as a as a schematic genius, an X's and O's guy, and I think that's where the game is heading, and I think it's also heading in the offensive direction, mm-hmm. which he's defense. Lastly, you look at uh, Louisville. Originally, we thought it maybe would be Jeff Brom. Brom says he's going to stay at Purdue. Appalachian State has an incredible year this year. Scott Satterfield, Scott with two T's, um, he Good ends hire. up going Good to Louisville. Yeah, yeah, no red flags about that one. Um, that doesn't seem like it's too big of a jump. I feel like you have a good year with Appalachian State, who's historically been a. I mean, once they joined the FBS, they were pretty good right away. I mean, they weren't one of those teams that took a while for them to integrate into playing, not necessarily better competition, but I mean, more scholarship players. But you look at Louisville, who was two and ten this year. You've got to think that that gives you a little bit of hope if you're Louisville. Yeah, yeah no, I th- I think that's a solid hire. You can't go get any worse really for Louisville yeah. at this point. But th- they have recruiting abilities. They they have a good past. Um, not too long ago, they had <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater in there playing in the Sugar Bowl uh, yep. against Florida. So I think there's potential there, and I, I kind of like this smaller hire because it's a guy that uh, is intriguing and has has a good track record. Um, kind of along the App State. Uh, lines Troy's head coach Neil Brown he was rumored for big jobs last year Arkansas and some other mm-hmm. smaller SEC jobs that type of job um, another nine and three season for him he has a proven offense year in year out I could see Neil Brown Neil Brown jumping ship to a, to a bigger program maybe not a huge program but at least a power five school yeah Seth Littrell from North Texas Troy's Neil Brown uh, North Dakota's Chris Kleeman North Dakota North Dakota State I'm not really sure and then Houston's Major Applewhite, four names that um, are on K-State's board. Seth Littrell said today that he will stay in North Texas. But, uh, maybe bold decision. Maybe he's holding out. I don't know. Um, but it, like you said, it wouldn't be surprised if you see Troy's um, coach jump ship. And, th- and that happens every year, it feels like. You get a team like Troy, Middle Tennessee State, Yep. Arkansas State, where they have a really good year, and it's like, this might work. And right. then they then they wait one more year, and then they go like six and six. It's like, maybe this won't work. Yeah. And the difference with Neil Brown is that every year he's 9, 10, 11 wins. So that's why yeah. I think he's one that, that will work, but you're completely right. Sometimes you see those flash in the pans uh, that look nice, and then the next year, some rough patch. And then they go to Kansas, and they're 3 and 9. <laughs> you know? So, again, not really their fault. <laughs> so... Uh, a, a lot of moving pieces still. Also, you look at Akron. Akron fired Terry Bowden. Um, but Nebraska didn't want to play at their level. 
Uh, <laughs> I, I'm still it's a hard bar to get up shocked to. by that quote. I don't even know uh, how to respond to that still. But a lot of jobs, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of coordinator jobs at big schools will still be open. Um, and And people always say, oh, well, well, people are upset Nick Saban won't win, like, Coach of the Year, right? Even though, historically, I think you said this maybe last week, that Nick Saban not winning Coach of the Year every year is like LeBron not winning MVP of the Year every year, or MVP every year. And while I do agree with that to an extent, people are trying to make the case like, oh, well, he always has to battle with, Losing his OC and his DC to jobs and this, that, the other. And it's roster like, turnover. Yeah, and it's like, well, when your roster turnover is, you know, 85 more NFL players, <laughs> I, I don't know what. But then again, that just speaks to his recruiting. So That's true. And I think, I think it's been nine years, nine years since uh, they haven't been the number one recruiting <laughs> class. Disgusting. I think we were 12. <laughs> that is a dynasty. Yeah. So, that's, yeah. I wonder what they were the year before that. Because if they were number one the next year, they couldn't have been far off. Maybe well, I'm wrong yeah. there. But. Well, that's the thing. is like I think when Nick Saban got there, it was like, it was a slow progression to number one. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, oh, we're 56, now we're six, and now we're one. And it was probably like, like. I remember that actually happened with Ole Miss, where they were like 83, 64. And then all of a sudden they're like. And you're like, oh my gosh, Ole Miss is great. These coaches can recruit. No, they're they're paying players. Then it was Hugh Freeze, <laughs> yeah, uh, Juan Treadwell, and, and Laramie Tunzel getting that bag early <laughs> in that bail. Uh, well, while we're at it, if if you had to put uh, a seal of approval on oh, the best coaching hire, best coaching hire, who do you think? I want to hear is? yours first. No, I got, well, I've got a like. Double check who everyone okay, that's okay. been hired is. Mine is a little under the radar. Uh, I don't know how many of our listeners are Charlotte 49ers fans, <laughs> but they just got a guy by the name of Will Healy. He's 33 years old, one of the youngest, if not youngest, coaches in the FBS, and he took over a program at Austin PA that was 1-45 in in their previous 46 games before him. He went 0-11 his first year. Then he turned it around, so that team was 1-56. and 56. He turned it around the next year, 8-4, and four, only losing to one FCS opponent, and he was named the coach of the year um, in, in 2017. Then he had another successful year. I like this guy a lot. I, th- I think he's going to have good success at Charlotte in a couple years. You'll see him jumping up to another big school. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Matt Wells, Utah State's coach. He got hired by Texas Tech. I know it's a, a little bit bigger of a job, but the jump from Mountain West to Big 12 is, I think, a decent one. Oh, yeah. uh, two-time Mountain West Coach of the Year. And I, you look at how well Utah State played this year. They were one game away from playing for the title. They were maybe two wins away from getting into a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, but but ten and two. All they had to do was beat Boise State that final week. Yeah, and then and they, they had to beat Fresno State oh, too yeah, yeah, the following right, week. Right. But uh, his overall win percentage is just over fifty six percent. But Utah State's historical win percentage is forty nine percent, so surpasses the yeah. uh, the average of the program. But I, I think that's a good hire because Utah State. Isn't isn't a bad program by any means. I know the numbers may may say they are, but then you look at Texas Tech. That it seemed like with Cliff Kingsbury, they 
maybe flatlined a little bit. He looked great at the beginning and then, and then plateaued towards, yeah. towards the end of his career. And I think that might just be the effect of the Big 12. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not a conference where you can you can be one-dimensional on offense, but so is everyone else. Yeah. So it, and I think they started to figure his tricks out a little bit, mm-hmm. and then on top of it, the other schools had a had the leverage in recruiting and everything. So it, it was kind of a natural progression that you'd you'd expect for him. He's also just the best looking coach in football. Well, did you hear that the Rams tried to get him as an assistant for the rest of the year? Really, they tried to get him on the staff and former coach of Patrick Mahomes. So it was a chance for the Rams to shut him down potentially in the Super Bowl. Um, I think he turned it down because of the USC job. The Rams could have had McVay and Kingsbury, the two best-looking coaches in all of football, on yeah. the same staff. Yeah. Well, flipping to the opposite side, <laughs> we've talked about some of the worst hires, and I'm sure there there are more worst hires than there are best hires. I feel like so far this season. Um, but if you had to put, I mean, heck, if you have two of them, who are your worst coaching hires so far? Hugh Freeze is one that. I look at and I'm a little puzzled, but my worst uh, is Mac Brown. Yeah. He, he really is. He's outdated. He comes into a program that needs a major rehaul, and I just don't see him being the guy to do it. Um, m- maybe I'll be wrong on this, and I'm okay if I am, but I just don't see how, how this is a good hire. I think the game's changed a ton since he was last in the in the coaching sphere, and when he was uh at Texas in his final few years, he wasn't doing well. So I, I think this is just a move purely for nostalgia reasons, and I, I don't think it's a smart, sound move. You're right. And I was leaning I mean, either Hugh Freeze or Mac Brown, but I, I think Jim McWin's not a great hire. And the reason I say that is like not because of his coaching record. It's actually fairly decent um, once I find it here. 22 and 12 at Florida, 44 and 28 and 6 seasons as a head coach. He was good at what, Colorado State. Like he wasn't yeah. he wasn't bad at Colorado State by any means, but at the same time it wasn't great either. And I, it just seems like central you said outdated with Mac Brown. I not that Jim McElwain's outdated, but I What does he bring he, to the table? Yeah, no. and it's Central Michigan too, so maybe that's why it's fine, but Going through some of these hires, uh, guys are getting hired at 34, 33. I mean, they're hiring guys that are Young almost guys. fresh out of college, yeah. it, it feels like, or fresh out of playing football themselves. So uh, it, it just baffles me when, and we've talked about it before, it just baffles me when coaches get hired and, and they're either a defensive coach or, or or they just aren't up to snuff when it comes to, yeah. to the – offenses of today yeah and i think another move that you might see and question um i like this one more than the mac brown one but i i'm still a little worried about les miles i yeah. think he has a better chance at kansas than mac brown does at north carolina but les miles has never been an offensive guru either uh, he's produced some good players at lsu that have gone on into the pros or some big prospects but he's never been the guy that that's really blown you away and then also he's been out of the game. So and Kansas is just a tough place to coach. So yeah, I I think he'll. I want to say he'll find success, and I feel like success at Kansas at the, at this current moment of time is six wins. Oh, is yeah, a bowl oh game, gosh, yeah. right? I I think he has that ability. I think the name helps with recruiting. I think 
but the thing is, is like if you, if you expect Kansas to all of a sudden be good next year, I mean, you're kidding you yourself. Here, here's something. Who would you rather have, the state of their programs and the coaches at the helm? Les Miles in Kansas or Lovey Smith in Illinois? I think Illinois has better athletes at this current moment. Yeah. I mean, Les Miles probably has the upper hand in recruiting, but you seriously, I, they're about the same program, it seems. Yeah. They're not far off, at least. And I don't think that really bodes well for either of them when five or six wins is really impressive. Yeah, and I... I guess I, I actually had been looking at like the comparison between the two. And you most years you'd say, well, Kansas is the, the Rutgers of the Big Twelve. <laughs> um but Kansas is starting to trend up. Trend up and it sounds weird, but like, oh now they have three wins. But like three wins will turn into four or five wins and then six wins. Rutgers is just face planted. Oh. Uh, they they had eight wins. Maybe it was nine wins. In no, it was eight wins. Uh, they finished eight and five in twenty fourteen with a bowl win. And then I don't think they've had more than three wins since. Yeah. So yeah, that's I that's that's the word. That's a thing. Yeah. Right? So at some point Rutgers will have a new coach too. Less miles. <laughs> Less miles. <laughs> Hopefully I'm telling you. Bo Pelini was rumored to take a DC job with Les Miles. Was he really? Well, yeah, because he uh, was down yeah, at LSU. LSU. So I'd kind of like that. It'd be disgusting, but I'd like it. Yeah, I, I'd be on board with it. Stephen, do you have a coach slash program of of the year we, award we, to hand out? I this mean, is our technically our award show. I never got to that part, but uh, I think Nick Saban is the best coach, I think, is the best team. I think he deserves it, um, just as LeBron deserves the MVP every year. But they chose Brian Kelly as the head coach of the year, and I completely agree with that as well because he he took Notre Dame and went undefeated. Um, not the toughest schedule, but by all means, not an easy schedule. Um, and so I'm okay with the Brian, Brian Kelly decision. I saw that Mike Leach won the Pac-12 coach of the year. Yeah. And – not that necessarily that means he should win the coach of the year, but he took Washington State to a 10-2 and record. Right. He's going to his fifth bowl game with Washington State. When he got there, they hadn't been to a bowl game since 2003. Oh, yeah. He deserves to be in the conversation. I think they chose Brian Kelly just because of the playoffs. And that's the tough part, too. Is and, and we'll get into the Heisman here in a second. That's the thing with, I feel like, coaches and the Heisman – and MVPs, so and it's it, like, how good was your team, though? And it's right. like, well, how does how much does that matter? Because if you took Rutgers from one and eleven to a seven win, I mean, that's right and counts I, for I, something. I, I think you make a good point. We saw this in the major in, in MLB. Um, a lot of times they don't give it to Alex Cora or or Madden or whoever the number World Series winning yeah. uh, coach is. A lot of times they give the manager award to the guy who did the most with the least. You don't see that in football as much, um, and maybe you should see it more in football, uh, and I think Mike Leach would be at the top of that list. So, I don't – whether that's my pick or not, I, he's in the conversation. Also, I don't know who Fresno State's head coach is, but they were 11-2 and two this year. But 
and they play Arizona State in the bowl game. So <laughs> I wonder who you're picking. The old Las Vegas Bowl. It's like the first bowl. Of the, well, it's like the Celebration Bowl, and then it's the Las Vegas Bowl like right after. Yeah. How Arizona State won seven games and they're playing on the first day. How how Fresno State won the Mountain West and they're playing on the first day. Yeah, Boise State's playing like almost at the end of the year. That's a crime. Or end of the uh, bowl season. Um, I will say That's that a whole other thing to be mad about. Brian but. County, the only coach, active head coach, to uh, have won that award multiple times. Doesn't he have like the most wins, most wins of active coaches? He or? does. He does, and I think he. I, and I was surprised by that. Me, too. oh, me too. But he had to keep. He did well in Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, and had, I forgot because when he was at Cincinnati, they were winning ten games, eleven games, like and regularly. Munchie Lego at quarterback. Who is Munchie Lego? <laughs> well, uh, we don't know now. <laughs> and so he did it with good guys. Obviously, they had Kelsey at one point. Travis Kelsey. They, they made him into really? a great tight end. Yeah. Wow. Um. So Brian Kelly, he gets it done. I think this is his third time winning. I know he's won it twice at least with this one. I think this is his third. No other coach, uh, active coach, has won it twice. Not even Nick Saban. See, that's the thing too. Is like, again, not that Nick Saban doesn't deserve awards like that because he totally does. I mean, hell, they they've won what? He's been there for nine years and they have four, five, five titles. He's been there for ten years. <laughs> they have five yeah. titles, something like that. I mean. Of the last, we looked this up last night, of the last 12 national titles, nine have been SEC teams. That's incredible. And like five of them are are Alabama. (laughs) So even more of the, yeah. So it's just Jeff Tedford. I knew that. Uh, Fresno State. Jeff Tedford. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up at a bigger school. Bigger school. Not that Fresno State's not a decent place to, to hang your hat at, but. It's a little harder to, right. you know, reach, reach to the top. But I I agree with Brian Ke- the Brian Kelly decision. They they they're twelve and zero. I think at some point Notre Dame will have to maybe not join a conference, but I there's going to be some conversation about it at some point. I feel like because I I know they make their schedule themselves and, they and bring in all the profits themselves. They don't yeah. have to split anything. Which is fine, but then you realize like they are still playing the Stanford's, USC, Northwestern, Michigan, Michigan State. Like they are they still play good teams. It's just you can't control when USC has an eighteen-year-old quarterback and they go five and seven. Exactly. You can't control when Michigan State's using six punters. You know. Yeah. Like, right. Exactly. And one of them's their backup quarterback. <laughs> so it's. I think something has to change, but I mean they're not. They're not going to until they lose their TV deal, I feel like. Yeah, I don't mind. Which they almost did. Yeah. I think we talked about that. Mm -hmm. They almost lost their TV deal, and then they had a really good year, made the national title game, they renewed it, and then they got really bad again. That's all you need. Yeah. It's uh, it's the Kirk Ferentz approach. Hey, Kirk, you're uh, at the end of your contract. All right, we got to win 10 games this year. (laughs) Book me up for another decade, and I'm good. Yeah. Jeez. Isn't his buyout something insane? I think his buyout's like 40 mil, something like that. He has three years left on his contract, bad year, then he has a good year, and they sign him for another four years, gets an up pay raise. Next two years, he stinks. Year after that, he does well, gets another four or five years, pay raise. It's ridiculous. I don't – will he ever leave that school? (laughs) 
No. Will, will they ever no. fire him? That's the question. <laughs> no. And they're going to be 6-6 six and six, nine times out of ten, and then they'll pull off that 11 wins. God, it irritates me. So they finished it, what? Though. They finished 8-4 and four this year, I believe. Yeah. Next Hawk year, special. next year they'll have seven wins, and then they'll be twelve and zero. Orange Bowl, Orange Bowl. Yeah, th- who they play in that Orange Bowl? Was it Kansas? Was it Kansas? No, Kansas played in an Orange Bowl against uh, Georgia Tech? against Georgia Tech. Yeah, yeah that was two thousand seven. <laughs> we did we did talk about that one. Yeah. Well, because Iowa lost to well, they, well, they played Stanford and, and oh Lincoln. oh yeah, he's still scoring touchdowns for that game. I th- I think he just scored another one. That's because, yeah, they lost to Michigan State, and then Michigan State got into the playoff. Uh, even though, because there was there was a chance for Iowa to go 13-0 and and make the damn playoff. <laughs> Think about that. Connor, 20... Connor Cook represented the Big Ten. Yeah. Not that that was any better, but <laughs> it's better than Iowa making it in before... If Iowa would have made it in as the second team from the Big Ten, I think you could have just folded right. fold the Big Ten yeah. just right there. I mean, hell. That's, oh, that's Iowa awful. Iowa also played in the Orange Bowl against Georgia Tech in 2010. I was thinking of that one. Kansas played Georgia Tech in the Orange Bowl too, right, though? I believe so. Or maybe, maybe they played someone else. 2007. Oh, they played uh, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. In the 2008, 2007, 2008 season, uh, Orange Bowl. Okay. So. Those Techs. Mix those, them up. Those Techs. So, uh, moving on, we'll we'll talk more about Bulls next week in a few days. Heisman, Stephen. Apparently, mm. there's a lot of people that have wrong don't, opinions. Well, you. Uh, <laughs> there's also a lot of people that just don't care about the Heisman. It's an over-glorified award, which, I mean, to an extent it is because yeah. it's a bunch of people that think they're better than us. Um, and no one's better than us. <laughs> no one is better than we are. Um, so anything we say is true. Um, but you look at, they named the finalists at least. You've got Tua, not even going to try to pronounce the last name, Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins. Those are your final three. <coughs> oh, sorry. And Tua Tagovailoa. Tagovailoa. Well, it's tongue, actually. Tungovailoa. Tungovailoa? Yeah. It's not spelled like that, though. That's disgusting. He lost you're my gonna, vote now. You're going disre- <laughs> to disre- disrespect someone? No, he has a great last name. I'm it's sure. just too damn hard to say. It's just new to me. Tua takes... Uh, I showed you that picture, right? Tua, Tua Tungovailoa. I think that's right, yeah. So, anyways, those are your three finalists. They're all quarterbacks because you can't win the award unless you're a quarterback these days. Um, or an Alabama running back. Well, yeah. Daryl Henderson, Memphis, he ended up fifth. Um, I mean, it's not the official voting, but if you had to pick one guy right now, who do you think wins it? Who do you think deserves to win it? I think... Or is it the same guy? Same guy for me, and it's Tua. And I know you're you're splitting ways with me here, but I don't understand how the guy doesn't. He's an incredible passer. He's athletic. He's going to be a pro player someday. And he doesn't even play fourth quarters and some of third quarters. And he puts up similar stats to everyone else. What was his Heisman moment? I don't – why Why does anyone need a Heisman moment? You have to have a Heisman why? moment. Why? 
because, you need you need to be bad and be in a game where all of a sudden you need to come through because you're not good enough to blow every team out. No, his Heisman moment is every single game when the first and second quarter he's wiping every team out of contention. That's his Heisman moment. If you want a Heisman moment, he can sit around and play a team until it's 28-24 in the fourth. Well, that happened against Georgia, and then he got hurt. Oh, oh my! He waited. Moments getting hurt. <laughs> he, waved, he doesn't deserve it. He, he waved the. Hurt. He waved the white flag. Oh my god! Do you see they're putting him on a private plane for, uh, for ankle rehab? And we wonder if players get paid. I <laughs> know. <laughs> exactly. We wonder if there's any illegal benefits for these the guy players. Has a sprained ankle, and they're throwing him on a private jet. Make sure there's prime rib, <laughs> garlic mashed potatoes. And he's not of age, but maybe some champagne. <laughs> yeah, he's not. He's a sophomore, so. Just remember rice. You just got to ice it, compress it, elevate it. I was, what's the R? Rest. That's it. Rest, rest ice, compress, All I elevate. got is the rest part. That's all I ever did. <laughs> <laughs> Don't need to ice it if I'm asleep. So, okay, who's going to win it? Tua. Well, if you're looking at purely numbers, here's what I think. Here's what they should do for the Heisman. Strip the names, strip the schools. Literally, here's a piece no. of paper. No, yes. No. Here's a piece of paper, and here are the stats. No, that, that's what you do for the Cy Young Award in baseball because wins and losses don't matter. You don't do that in football because Tua is not playing the second halves. Well, then maybe he should have if he wanted to win the Heisman. They, their goal is the championship, and they're killing teams 56 to 14 at halftime. Why play them? Why risk them? Look at Kyler Murray's numbers. He already, he already won. Oklahoma has no defense, so he has well, to that's be true. out there. That's true. Maybe everyone in the SEC doesn't have defense. If Bama either. didn't have seven of their 11 guys going pro next year, <laughs> then Tua would be out there in the fourth. That's probably true. But you look at, I mean, what? Kyler Murray already won which player of the year? Maybe AP player of the he year? Won I don't the know. the O'Brien Award, which is the best quarterback. Yeah. But Tua. Won the Walker Camp, which goes to the best player. Right. It's not the Heisman. Walter Camp, yeah. Walter Camp, sorry. And then, well, see, and that's the thing that I hate about this is like. They split it because they want to get more viewership on the Heisman. Well, they're like, okay, so there's the Heisman, the Walter Camp, the O'Brien, which basically all go. Yeah, isn't the Maxwell the best player of the year, too? (laughs) Yeah, I thought so. And then, then because I remember there was the year that Sue was in the running for the Heisman. Yeah. He was voted like best player. And then, the they're Heisman, like, and then he got fourth in the Heisman. Which is also the best. They got three awards for the best player, and it never yeah. goes to the same people. Well, yeah. That was like the first That was the first year in however many. I don't remember. Uh, 2009 was the first time it, the, like, the one that Sue won didn't go to the Heisman winner. Yeah. It's also because Mark Ingram shouldn't have won the damn Heisman <laughs> in 2009. But, oh, boy. Uh, Who wanted that those Stanford, Col- those, was the Stanford back? Uh, a couple years ago that people thought deserved it. Christian McCaffrey? <laughs> no, he's a big guy. Oh, Toby Gerhardt. Oh, <laughs> I'm talking about one-hit wonders. Gee whiz. Tony, Toby Gerhardt. <laughs> That's disgusting. So. Good grief. If I had to. If, I know. You're going, <laughs> you're going the future Oakland Athletics left fielder, Kyler Murray. I think he'll win it. But I think Dwayne Haskins deserves it. And the reason I say that is, again, if you look at the numbers, he is the best quarterback of those three. Like, He's not quarterback. Even, no. What are you talking about? Look, I like One Dwayne. of them's not going to play in the NFL. I like Dwayne Haskins, 
But he's not even the best quarterback going into this next year's draft. He's not going into the draft. He's, he's a right. sophomore. He's a redshirt sophomore. Well, he could if, declare. He could. Justin I don't Herbert think he will. Top. Dwayne Haskins. If if Dwayne Haskins leaves Ohio State, they only win eight games next year. Oh, oh yeah, I agree there. But because <laughs> I was going to go twelve and zero. Dwayne Haskins is a fine quarterback. I like Dwayne Haskins. I I really do. But he's a little bit better, but still raw. Jameis Winston. That's exactly what he is. I don't know if I agree with that. I think he's better than Jameis. Can't run, sits in, can't run that well, but he's still big body. Four rushing touchdowns, just <laughs> one less than Tua. <laughs> oh, yeah, and he played every fourth quarter. Good for him. Jameis Winston probably had around four touchdowns, but they're about the same size. They run the same. They both make poor decisions at times. Both are inaccurate. Dwayne Haskins, better. 70%. Do, oh, oh, but he missed it. Like, you watched that Michigan He threw 73 passes against Purdue for 70%. Against Purdue's defense, who was porous this year. You look at how he performed against Michigan State, a really good defense. He missed throws all over the place. That's true. So I, I like Dwayne Haskins, but he's just a slightly better Jameis Winston. Who I, Jameis did win the Heisman, so I, I can't trash him there. But I think I think two is the better guy. I think I think Dwayne is third on the list. Out of these, I think it goes for me. Well, technically, he is the third finalist. Yeah, so. I would go. I would go to a Kyler, Dwayne. Well, you look at actually the all the top four all quarterbacks: Wilger sixty-seven percent completion, Dwayne Haskins seventy point two, Tua sixty-seven point seven, Kyler seventy point nine. So we're all in the sixties. They're all high sixties. High sixties, low seventies is like well, one incredible, really but cool. two <laughs> is like ideally where you would like to sit around. Not in a, as a career, but for, it, for a really good season, that's probably where you're sitting around. I I think Dwayne Haskins is the best quarterback of those three, personally. I mean, I you don't agree with me on this, but I feel like if you put Jalen Hurts in Alabama's offense right now, I mean, he took him, he brought him back to beat Georgia. Oh, that was an incredible game. I won't I won't take that away from Jalen Hurts, but. You know sports well enough that when well, you yeah. watch Jalen Hurts for Alabama, their one weakness was throwing the ball when he was the quarterback. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that. Let me rephrase it. I think they would still win most games if Jalen Hurts was the quarterback. They are obviously better off with Tua. I think they would still win the games because they have NFL talent everywhere yeah. else. I don't think it's because of Jalen Hurts. That's why I think Tua is the Tua's huge difference maker. I think Tua goes on any any team – Right now, and he'd be the starting quarterback, and he'd shine. I don't know. Adrian Martinez is pretty good. <laughs> Every Nebraska fan taking Adrian <laughs> Martinez over to You've got a choice. Give me Martinez. I swear. So, yeah. I I will not be surprised if any of the three win it. I would be more – I think I would be more surprised if Tua won it than Kyler because a lot of people are going to look at the numbers. But, I mean, two has only thrown three less touchdowns, and now he's thrown sixty less passes. He's also thrown exactly seven hundred less yards. But when you don't play the second half, yeah. yeah, I, I don't know how much that's going to be taken into effect. And you look at Dwayne Haskins; he has forty-seven touchdowns versus two of thirty-seven. But Dwayne Haskins has nearly thrown for five hundred passes. Tua hasn't even thrown for three hundred, so. I'm two all the way. I think the stats are skewed in everyone else's favor because <laughs> they played the whole game. They play whole games, but Tua is so good and that team's so good, he doesn't have to. 
Now, is that a testament to the offense or the defense? I, I think it's just a testament to Alabama. I mean, I, I, I think Oklahoma's great offense, and I think their offense could comp- do well as well as Alabama's offense. Uh, Ohio State doesn't have as good of an offense as those two. I think we can agree on that. Oklahoma's defense is terrible. Ohio State's defense isn't amazing. Alabama's defense is. They have, they have everything. That's true. All right, Stephen. Well, yeah, I I don't know. It, I, you always think you know who's going to win the Heisman, and then it's like. Then it's Manti Teo. <laughs> no, Johnny Manziel <laughs> thankfully beat him. Though. Yeah. I really thought Sue had a shot at it in 2009. I think a lot of people did. Yeah. And you're the fourth best defensive line in your one guy. Daryl Henderson also. I, I asked someone this the other day. Like, what do running backs in today's day and age have to do in order to win the Heisman? And you look at Daryl Henderson, 1,900 yards, 22 touchdowns, also receiving 19 catches, 295, and three touchdowns. And then you look at Jonathan Taylor. He had, I think he was like 10 yards short of 2,000. Like, you look at Rashad Penny last year. He did have 2,000. Donnell Pumphrey, he had a good year. Like Those guys play for smaller schools, though, so that's that's the knack on them. Right, but... Again, if you're looking at it purely as best player, I like they still have to get some consideration, don't you think? Oh, I think they deserve consideration. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. But I'm not surprised that – I mean, I guess they aren't getting consideration really this year. So, But I think this is an, ex- an exception to the year because they have three great candidates at the top, or at least two. So last ten – Two have been running backs, both from Alabama. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you're a running back and you want to win the Heisman, go play for Alabama. That's what you got to do. <laughs> the other eight have been quarterbacks mixed through a couple of different schools. Um, actually, none of them were Alabama quarterbacks. Not surprising. They haven't had. A, I mean, their best quarterback in the last ten years is AJ McCarron. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Uh, well, Jalen Hurts, really. I mean, I know that sounds wrong, but no, I mean, I would take AJ his... McCarron over Jalen Hurts. I just mean record-wise. Oh, record-wise, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. if you're looking at who okay, won the yeah. most games. But, I, and you can look at some of those like, well, Johnny Manziel didn't play on the best team. Yeah, Lamar true. Jackson didn't play on the best team. And I think that's what ends up happening is it's, who's on the best team. Lamar Jackson deserved to win it twice, let's be honest. Oh, but God, I'm not a Lamar Jackson fan. Why? Can't throw the ball. He didn't need to. What? He still threw for 3,000 yards. But you watch his game, and he has terrible mechanics. He can't hit the broadside of a barn. And you look at him in the NFL right now. He has the worst passer rating when throwing into tight windows. Because the guy can't throw. Don't draft him as a quarterback. That's the epitome of what's wrong with college football right now, is they're giving their best athletes the ball every play at quarterback. And I get it, you want to win. But that's not how you produce NFL quarterbacks. If you want the NFL quarterbacks to be good, play guys that are quarterbacks in college. Not guys like Lamar Jackson. I don't even know what what to say to you. Okay, so let's just move on instead. So we thought about doing our our bottom ten. Then there were just so many bad teams that there were some we didn't even get to pick this year. So yeah, bottom ten teams that we talked about. On the <laughs> yeah, right. So we narrowed it down to bottom eight, but really it's the bottom five with three honorable mentions because the bottom. The three last ones are bad, but not too bad, I guess. Number eight being Oregon State. Oregon State finishes two and ten. Their one claim to fame is they kind of played or, or uh, played Ohio State close for a little while yeah. there at the end. And I think 
and then I and then I think they just you know fell off the face of the earth. I think they had one big win in there. Let me see if I'm right. I know they got yeah. blasted by uh, Arizona State and probably plenty of other schools. They beat Colorado in overtime. Oh, wow. Colorado was one win away. This was a ranked team at one point, and Colorado was one win away from making a bowl game. They were one win away seven times. <laughs> they started the year 5-0 and oh and lost their last seven. Seven times they were one win away. One of them, one of those seven losses was to Oregon <laughs> the, State. the 2-10 and 10 Oregon State um, Beavers who barely beat Portland State 35-32 week one. If, if anything, that's a testament of how bad Colorado got at the end of the year. Don't rub it in. I, uh, oh, I, I I'm going them, to. I picked them. My picks I'm proud of, but my last seven weeks I picked Colorado every time, and my last seven weeks I was wrong every time. I think I picked them a couple of times. You might have, yeah. I tried to uh, stay away. So, number seven, Georgia State, I believe. Georgia State, not Georgia Southern. Um, They finished with two wins as well. Two and ten. Um Points allowed, 449 points for, 287. Just just not great. I mean, they also play in the Sun Belt where three teams are really good, four teams are really good, and the rest are just kind of hanging out. And and Georgia Southern, 9-3, and three, so they were just like, you know, Georgia State had to take a, yeah. take a year off. Yep. So we never picked a Georgia State game. We picked a Georgia Southern game. So maybe maybe it's our fault that Georgia State just wasn't good this year. <laughs> Number six, Rutgers. <laughs> now, Rutgers is like the the team outside the playoffs in any sport, I suppose. That's like, you know, they're horrible. They're awful. But they are in the Big Ten. Academically, they're still a good school. And they're still going to rake in $50 million. <laughs> yeah, they, they make money. For losing, yeah, I mean they're what they're literally the Big Ten's punching bag, and they love it, and and, and they're still there. Now, I I think it's funny that um, I don't know if you heard what Jim Delaney said earlier this week. He was talking about, or he got asked about Maryland and Rutgers being yeah. added to the Big Ten, and they're like, oh, you know, do you not that do you regret adding both of them? But like, you know. <laughs> What are your feelings about adding them after the first couple of years now that they've been there? Like, well, I don't really think they're on the same competitive level. Maryland has, uh, what did he say, 32 championships in five different sports or something like that. Yeah. And it's like, oh, so you only regret Rutgers. <laughs> and and it's Rutgers just took too big of a jump from the old Big East where they're playing teams like UConn and Tulsa. and Or Tulsa wasn't in the Big East. Temple. but Temple. Um, Cincinnati, so on and so forth, to now you're playing Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State because they're in your division. And you lost Kenny Stills and Ray Rice and Carew, like some actually yeah. like good players at the college level. Yeah, Sanu. Yeah, Muhammad Sanu. Yeah. So they they aren't a bottom five team because they are still making money. But I well, I. But they they might as well be there. Right. I I don't man. They're taking a licking, that's for sure. When it came to uh uh basketball, now that we're in that season, well, football season's still winding down, but I said that 
if Rutgers wins more than three conference games, I'll streak down O Street. You're getting risky with those guys, man. I know. And they almost beat Wisconsin the yeah, other yeah, night. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, I, ugh. <laughs> been an early season win. Yeah. Two two years in a row they've won exactly three conference games. Oh, now, man. last year they won three conference games, and then they rattled off two wins in the Big Ten tournament. Doesn't count, though. Which doesn't count because it's not the regular season. So you can win as many postseason games as you want. You can make the damn tournament and win a game. And I don't care. So as long as you win less than th- less three or less, so good luck with that. Number five. Now we have some of the greatest hits of college pick'em. All a uh, tunnel talk radio. Uh, number five, San Jose State. Now to put this in perspective. It was our, we don't know anything about this game of the week, right? Did it every week. Every week after like week four. They were 0-7. And and you picked them to win. Because I know what I'm doing. I don't know if that's what it was. I think it was (laughs) you just blindly hoping that you were going to be right because you had a little bit of doubt um, after you picked them. But... Nonetheless, here is the San Jose State game uh, that we picked earlier this year. UNLV at San Jose State. San Jose State a three-point favorite. We've got like 10 seconds, so it's going to go over the music. It doesn't matter. Maybe I'll just hit play again right after. San Jose State's 0-7. UNLV's 2-5. Yeah, we don't know a lick about these two schools. This is the game, like every other week, where we just pick... A random game we don't know anything about. This fits that bill. San Jose State, though, hasn't won a game, although they're the favorite. I'm going to take San Jose State. They got to get their first win at some point. I think this is it. Why? I don't know. But I have a gut feeling, and it's worked out for me. So I don't I'll think go they, with them. I don't think they have to get their first win. I, they're <laughs> 0-7. They haven't done it yet. UNLV, 4-3 and against the spread. San Jose State, 3-4 and against the spread. One of them's actually won a game. One of them's San Jose State. San Jose State's a three-point favorite, but the predictor has UNLV winning by eight or nine points. So I'm going to go with the University of Nevada at Las Vegas to win 28-18. to 18. I didn't And again, I don't know how you get 18 points, but they will find a way because they're 0-7. I just looked, and over the past two weeks, San Jose State has put up a combined 16 points and has given up 68 so I'm a little nervous about my pick, but I'm still going to ride with San Jose State. Spartans, they're going to blow the doors open this week. 35-31. Oh, I didn't look anything up about either team other than the record, so I hope that fares well for me. <laughs> this time you did research, and maybe that'll help. Steven, we've got about... All right, so obviously I took UNLV, and... They did not win. Yeah, so it turned out 50 to 37. The Spartans <laughs> came through after giving up 60 or more points the past two weeks and scoring 16. They turn around just like I thought and put up a old 50 burger on UNLV. Three point favorites were San Jose State. They won by, what, 13? Mm-hmm. They didn't win another game the rest of the year. I picked them the right week. Didn't <laughs> pick them too early, didn't pick them too late. I knew their peak. <laughs> It just happened to be against UNLV. Uh, number four on our list is Rice, which we'll get to in a minute because it, it involves another uh, a team, so we can't play it too early. But Rice, 
They finished one eleven, uh, or no, two and ten, right? Two and ten. And they beat Prairie View A and M week one barely. <laughs> what three points? I think it was a three point game. Maybe thirty, or was that the thirty four thirty two one? That one was. Let me. Sorry, I'm looking at how unprofessional. Thirty one twenty eight. The Owls on top. Yikes. Yeah, right. Not a good football program. I think we knew that already, but boy, was was this season especially rough uh, for them. Uh, at number three, or you know, whatever, however way you want to do this. I don't. Know. At number one hundred and twenty-eight, <laughs> Central Michigan. Uh, Central Michigan fired their coach. Was it at the end of the year or was it in the middle of the year? I, I'm not up to date knows. on my Central Michigan news. I, I, well, me neither. <laughs> All I know is they hired Jim McElwain, and maybe they'll go 1-11 next year. So anyways, uh, Central Michigan, their one chance at a win I felt like was probably the game we picked, which was against Bowling Green. Uh, on the – no, at home against Bowling Green. They Were they the favorite in this one? Seven, uh, yeah, they were seven-point favorites. Seven-point favorites against Bowling Green. So here is our pick'em from Bowling Green Central Michigan. The game that we don't know anything about of the week is another all-time matchup. Bowling Green one and eight at Central Michigan one and nine. Chippewas a seven-point favorite over the Falcons. I'm confident in this one. I I nail these picks. I, I'm thrilled this one's on the matchup this week. I'm going Bowling Green. They've shown life of putting up uh, some passing offense. I don't know anything about Central Michigan. I doubt they have. Um, so I'm going to take Bowling Green plus Central Michigan Chippewas. They're, the natives like to go by Ojibwe. So I, I think it's uh, a little patronizing that Central Michigan uh, goes by Chippewas. I'll go Bowling Green just because my morals are seeking through. Okay, so I'm picking Bowling Green to win this game. Oh, so gosh. in the picks, you know, Here's here's let me explain it's this. The first, year, first I'm picking week no, you're no no going no no hold on hold on now listen to me. I'm picking Bowling Green to win this game because Carl Pelini is the interim head coach right oh, now. I didn't even know that. But I'm gonna pick Central Michigan for the sense of the picks yeah. because I don't get these right anyway. So what's the point <laughs> of picking the same thing as you? I might as well pick the other one, right? Central Michigan one and nine, they're bad. Bowling Green, they're one and eight, they're bad. But one of these two teams has to walk away with a Mac win. The Chippewas. Max starts with an M. M's in Michigan. Okay, fine. Seven points. They're going to win 14 to 7. I don't even know. I don't know if I said a score. I'll go 14 7 Bowling Green. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm not and really... if I did say a score the first time, I'm now going 14 7 regardless. So Bowling Green did win that game. Mm hmm. 24 13. 24 13. Another dub for me. And I technically picked Bowling Green. Uh, yeah, you picked both teams. If I did that every week, I'd be cooking. <laughs> I'd be undefeated if I would have just picked every team. Uh, but oh. I did end up going to Central Michigan. They were a seven-point favorite, and that was probably their last last chance at another win. And uh, I'll concede they, they on that one win. and give you a win as well. And I, it was a technic on technicality, yeah. but a win nonetheless. So finally, that brings us to our. Top two, bottom two, number 129 and number 130. Uh, UTEP at two and UConn at one. UTEP had not won a game for what? two, Almost two years. Yeah. And then they play Rice, who's I mean, 
on our list. So these two teams are so bad they could shoot at fish in a barrel and still not eat anything for dinner. I mean, <laughs> they are brutally bad. Uh, and it's, I'm happy we picked them, but it's also just uh, grotesque that they made our list. Yeah, and UConn, uh, I, I had the uh, file open a little earlier, but let me reopen it. Uh, UConn, historically bad uh, this year. Let, I mean, other than being 1-11, they were also just terrible. Um, their one win was against the University of Rhode Island, and they still only won by seven points. And maybe when we play one of the clips, I'll try to see how many times they scored first and <laughs> still lost or how many unanswered points they gave up. But UConn was historically one of the worst teams in college football ever this year, 2018 UConn, not their program in general. But most yards, 7,409 given up. Yards per game, 617.4. Points, 605. Points per game, 50.41. Now, I mean, they were they gave up total points for season, almost the same amount of yards they gave up per game. Disgusting. And then on top of that, they didn't beat an FBS opponent because they beat Rhode Island. And they went winless in conference play for the first time since it went 0-4 in the Yankee Conference in 1954. Who could forget the Yankee Conference? Oh, I mean, it was all time. It was a a great conference, I remember. Oh, man. So, yeah, their last game of the year, they lost 57-7 against Temple. So UConn is, is, whether they deserve a crown or what, but they are the worst team. You can make an argument for some of these other ones. But, I mean, example, let's let's go with this UConn-Temple game. At one point, it was 7-7. Seven to seven. They gave up 50 unanswered points, including right after they scored a touchdown, 99-yard kickoff return. Yeah. I mean, and, and the crazy truth about this is, is that's just another day in the office for UConn. <laughs> that's, that's the thing they do on the rake. Yeah, it's historically bad. Now, UTEP... Finally got a win, but they also finished 1-11. Again, a game that you picked them when they didn't have any wins, and apparently you waited just the right amount of time for UTEP to get a win. So here we have two combinations of UConn and UTEP that we had, double headers of two scoops. Uh, <laughs> two scoops on the ice cream cone. Uh, double dip. That's yeah. what it was, right? So – it's two uh, historically bad matchups of the century of the week. And this week we have a historically bad doubleheader, games we know nothing about, starting with UConn at Tulsa, both teams 1-7. and seven. <laughs> Had to go find the spread for this. Tulsa, an 18-point favorite as of last night. Hey, hit the nail on the head. I don't know anything about these two teams. I'm not going to look up either. (laughs) 18-point spread, though. That's a little shocking for me. I have to go Tulsa in this one just because the spread's too large to pick UConn, who I know is historically bad. Uh, We'll go Tulsa in this one. I don't even know what these teams have been putting up. Uh, We'll go 38-14 Tulsa with some power going on. Yeah, I have no idea if either of these teams are good at anything. 
But for the fact that you take Tulsa, I'm just going to take UConn because, again, we know nothing about these two teams. I'm just going to pick whoever you don't. So give me UConn. I don't know. 13-6. to six. It's Really? It's going to be a bloodbath. Uh, 14 injuries, a bunch of cramps. Ambulance will come onto the field. I'm not making a joke about that, but <laughs> UConn's going to win. UTEP at cook your rice for one minute, maybe five. <laughs> Depends on if you're using the microwave or the stove. One-point favorite against UTEP. UTEP 0-8, longest losing streak in the country. Rice 1-8, not any better. Yeah, this is going to be a thriller. These teams are awful. UTEP, FBS leading 20-game losing streak. Rice, 19 of their last 21. It's been 740 days since UTEP last beat an FBS team on the road. It's been 1,069 days since Rice last beat an FBS team not named UTEP. At home. This week they are playing UTEP, though. Favor goes to Rice, but they're on, I believe, their third-string running back, fourth-string quarterback. I'm going the Miners in this one. UTEP's going to pull it out 24-21. UTEP gets their first win of the season. I prefer organic brown rice. They're playing at home. They're playing UTEP. Look, if you're UCF, you want to keep your win streak going. If you're UTEP, what are you known for right now? Losing. Why not keep it going? It doesn't look great for recruits. Doesn't look great for anybody, frankly. But think about the t-shirts. <laughs> Give me rice. One point's correct. Seven to six. Rice is gonna win. <laughs> Seven to six. It's a push. I was hoping three to two. Uh, I thought about it, <laughs> but I I think rice is a little better than just a field goal. Uh seven to six. Yeah. That's what I'm going with. I'm sticking with it. Don't miss it. UTEP will miss a two point conversion. At the end, to win all. the game. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, so that was the first time that we picked UConn and UTEP. That was also the first win UTEP had in over a thousand days, like yep. you mentioned. That was the first win of the season. The week after, I picked San Jose State to get yep. their first and only win on the season. <laughs> yeah. Same thing for UTEP. Um, UConn lost to Tulsa forty-nine to nineteen. UTEP beat Rice thirty-four twenty-six. Um, but they did lose out on that market uh, marketing opportunity with the T-shirts. <laughs> the T-shirts, man. Uh, just to put in perspective, like, how bad UConn is for some of these games. Like, I was telling you, at one, they played Boise State, who's, I mean, a good football team. They weren't going to win that game anyways. At one point, they were down 48 to nothing. They lost 62-7 to against Cincinnati. UConn scored first. They led 7 nothing. They lost 49-7. to <laughs> So, UConn is just... You almost feel bad, but then you're like, well, maybe try harder. I like I don't know what to say at that point you're because up. you're just it, it's it's something's not working. Sixty something to seven. I mean, you got problems. Memphis, they gave up fifty five points. Was there a game? What was the least amount of points they gave up? The least amount of points UConn gave up was twenty two. When they lost to UMass, twenty-two to seventeen. <laughs> My God! And, and then, then the, UMass fired their coach. And then yeah, and then <laughs> UMass has a new head coach. But you know who doesn't have a new head coach? UConn. <laughs> so I, you know, I don't know. He didn't do worse than the the guy last year. Maybe it was him. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, how long has Rainy Edsel been there? I don't know. Too long already, probably. Now that they're one and eleven, now that they've been deemed the because anything we say on here is true. Uh, they've been deemed the worst team in college football ever. 
I mean, also the numbers support <laughs> that claim too. So it's not like we're making that up uh, by any means. So if we didn't have enough fun picking UConn and UTEP once, we thought, hell, let's do it a second time, right? So UConn played, um, I just had it up. East Carolina. Yep, UConn played East Carolina, also a, a, not a great team. Nope. East Carolina lost to NCA&T. And then they beat UNC, yeah. <laughs> and UNC just hired Mac Brown, so more than them being bad at football is going on right now. Um, followed by UTEP playing Western Kentucky, and Western Kentucky gave us one of the best pick'em games of the year uh, when they played Old Dominion, and, I mean, all hell broke loose at the end of the game. So, um, like I said, if we didn't have enough fun picking UConn and UTEP once, uh, here's us picking them a second time. Stephen, we have a double header of games of the century of the week. <laughs> UConn at East Carolina for game number one, a 13 and a half point favorite are the Pirates. Yeah, classic game that we know nothing about. This fits the bill. Yeah. Uh, I don't <laughs> care about either of these teams. <laughs> I'm going to go East Carolina, though. I like their mascot a little bit more. The only thing I remember about UConn is Bob Diaco, and then they had a running back that went on to the NFL to play for the Colts at one point. I don't probably, remember his probably. name. Um, we don't know anything about him, remember? But that was probably a decade ago. So I'm going to go East Carolina in this one for no reason whatsoever. 28-24? Uh, What's that? I don't even know the over-under. 28-24. I don't know either. Uh, we don't know anything about this game other than the spread <laughs> and the teams. East Carolina was beat beat by NCANT earlier this year, and then East Carolina then beat North Carolina, who's 1-8. Well, UConn's 1-9. That would favor East Carolina, but I'm going to take – uh, the team formerly known as the Bob Diacos, UConn, um, somewhere in Connecticut, the conflict trophy is still floating around. Um, someone should maybe just mail that down to, to Norman and, and hand that back to old Dirty Bob. So give me UConn, <clears throat> low scoring. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, 14 to 9. Wow. Yeah, give me UConn 14 9. East Carolina kicker, though. Pretty good. UTEP at Western Kentucky. Uh, Western Kentucky seven-point favorite. I previously picked Western Kentucky this year, and then the craziest game of of all time honestly happened. So, and you picked UTEP when they had just no no wins. Yeah, so, for like two years. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, who do you like? Yeah, I'm gonna go UTEP. I'm I'm riding with them. You know, they've done me well so far. It's like the gumbo in LSU. They've done me well. I'll keep picking them. I'll go Miners. Um, just because I picked them before, we'll go. 28-21, big win. Big win for Utah. I think Western Kentucky redeems themselves. I mean, they only have one win this season, and they could have had two, and maybe that would have started a, a streak of momentum. Probably not, but, man, this has got to be up there as one of the all-time worst games we picked. And we should probably just go through every last game we picked of the year and just figure out which one was the, the worst. So but I'm going to take Western Kentucky. They bounced back from their previous early season woes in a, in a sleeper matchup. Um, and this is going to be another snoozer. But Western Kentucky can put up some points. So can UTEP, even though they are terrible. So give me Western Kentucky. Man, I don't know. I really don't. 27, 27, 23. How does that sound? We'll just roll with that. You disgusting. like that? <laughs> you like that? So there you go. There's your double header of probably don't turn either of those games on unless. So. I had the audacity um, 
and the cojones to pick yeah. UConn twice. Not only do we pick UConn games twice, the worst team in college football history potentially, but you picked them to win twice. Yeah. And you were, of course, wrong twice. Oh, yeah, wrong both times. Yeah, Eastern Carolina, or East Carolina, excuse me, not Eastern Carolina. I um, still need that geography test for that one. They lost 55-21. to 21. Um, East Carolina was a 13-and-a-half-point favorite, like we heard, and just got the doors blown off. Um, and then UTEP, you know, you're wrong about that one. I know. I think that was one of the only games yeah. of all of the last games of the year. All that the games we knew nothing we about. We split. I think I only missed one or two. Yeah. And well, and if you consider that I picked Bowling Green and not Central Michigan, then yeah, I I think I maybe got two right all yeah. year. And I, so out of this, I was five and one in the worst games we picked yeah. out of the worst games, and yeah. you were two and four. Yeah. So well, hold on. One, two, we'll three, give you the four, five, six, yeah, six, yeah, yeah. So two and four at best. Yeah, and five <laughs> and one for me. If there's one thing I'm good at, it's it's. Picking terrible games. Knowing knowing when to pick the worst team. Also, hitting on that UConn-Tulsa game we picked, UConn led 13-7 to in the, second, in the second quarter. I saw that score and I was like, let's go. I was stoked about it. I just like stopped caring about it. Then uh, um, Tulsa scored all 49 of its points in the second and third quarter and won 49-19. Yeah. They rattled off 49 uh, unanswered points. I knew my Golden Hurricanes would come through. Hurricane. Hurricane, won. sorry. Uh, 42 unanswered points, actually, because UConn snuck in that field goal. So, uh, the only thing we can really say is that UConn is horrible at football. And if anything stays true next year, it might be that. Yeah. However, two different times they put up more than 50 points. They score. They had 56 points against Rhode Island, and they had 50 points against SMU. Now, when SMU beat them, they won 62 to 50. Oh my god! <laughs> so and you they know, barely beat Rhode Island. And they barely beat. Yeah, Rhode Island was a back and forth. <laughs> I didn't even know they had a football. They had to score. They had to score with like 30 seconds left to win that game. I only knew Rhode Island has any athletic team, and it was basketball. basketball. Because they're pretty good. They made the tournament a couple of times, but a couple of years ago too, a guy made a dunk con made the dunk contest that played for him. I didn't know they had a football team. Yeah. Well, maybe UConn shouldn't. That's, that's, it's not very good, apparently. Well, if there's one thing those two teams had in common is that they're better at basketball than football, <laughs> apparently. Because if you're Rhode Island, you just were lost to the worst team in college football aye, aye, aye. ever. Number one thirty, UConn. I can I can see the. Uh, documentary <laughs> now. I can see the t-shirts too, but I can see the documentary of uh, the worst team in, in college football. So, uh, maybe we should just make it. Get Randy Edsel on the phone. <laughs> He's got a bunch of free time. They're not doing anything in the off season. Boy, if you would have told me my senior project and podcast that we're proud of would have consisted of me picking UConn and UTEP games, <laughs> you would have been out of your mind. <laughs> Uh, well, it wasn't our original plan. Nope. But it made it a lot more fun at the end. At least for us. Donald Brown, that running back for Connecticut. You found, yeah. finally found that Seven out? Seven-year career in the NFL. Oh, man. So UTEP, one win. UConn, one win. Actually, a lot of one-win teams this year. San Jose State, one win. One win. Central Michigan? One win. 
Bowling a lot Green? of two-win two teams, wins. too. Bowling Green got to two wins. Maybe they got to three. Do, does that matter? Oh, there's not. Yeah, three and nine. Look, look at these. Okay, so the MAC standing just briefly before we leave. Uh, Buffalo, ten and three. Miami, six and six. Ohio, eight and four. Fourth place in the East. Bowling Green, three and nine. Oh my god! Now, obviously, because of conference like standings, that's how it works, right? <laughs> and then you look at the West. Uh, eight and five, seven and five, seven and five, seven and five. Four and eight, Central Michigan one and eleven. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's rough. Yeah, the West is stacked. the The opposite <laughs> of the Big Ten, the West of the MAC is stacked. They just got Bama. Just, just Bama. <laughs> I was trying to explain to someone that the SEC top to bottom. I, I'm probably wrong. I just don't like the SEC, but top to bottom. That's I, why you I, don't pick Tua to win the Heisman. SEC biased. Yeah, <laughs> you got me. Damn it. <laughs> Uh, I I mean I hate the SEC I really do, but maybe it's but he's unbiased. Yeah, as, as a journalist, as a journalist, I can't have you know any favoritism. But I hate the SEC. I hate Alabama too, but I respect how <laughs> damn good they are. I mean, you look at the SEC West, Alabama. I mean, everyone else eight and four, nine and three, eight and four, seven and five, five and seven, two and ten. Yeah. And then who was two and ten? Arkansas. Nice. Hell, Vanderbilt won six games this year. Their coach is rumored for uh, some bigger jobs. Vandy. Yeah. You know who used to be at Vandy? Uh, Penn State. James Franklin. James Franklin. Uh, you look at the East. Maybe the power shift is. No, they both pretty much all had the East. Almost had all seven teams go to a bowl game, if Tennessee would have figured it out. Well, they're never going to figure it out. So. Yeah, yeah, they're not getting Peyton Manning you think back. North anytime Carolina's soon. making bad decisions. Go look at Tennessee. Yeah, well, they're looking for a new offensive coordinator now. Surprise, surprise. So, oh man. Well, we'll be back for bowl picks. We're going to pick all forty-one games. It's going to be probably an hour straight of uh, our, our classic music. Stephen, anything left before the pick'em? Till next week. Army, Navy. Navy, all the way. 80 to nothing, midshipman. Uh, I'm going to go with Army. Oh, don't. <laughs> Future Mike. 17-14 Army. We'll talk to you guys next week.